Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 19th. We are under a month away from really the start of the season. The leaves are starting to change. You know, had a sunny day today on the East Coast, but college basketball season right around the corner. We got top 25 lists. Gus did his, and tonight I'm going to give you mine. Partner, I'm ready to go. If you like lists, I think you came to the right podcast. Just want to say thanks for tuning in, carving out some time. You could have been anywhere else on the dial. You chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. We appreciate that. And again, listeners, if you like your 20, top 25 lists, you've come to the right place. If you just scroll back one podcast, I gave you the top 25-ish that was existing inside my notebook. And tonight, Mike will reveal his top 25 list before the season gets underway. Mike, I, I'm just ready to like kind of react to where you're going to put play some of these teams, talk a couple players, and then, I don't know, maybe argue one of these or, or two of them? This is, September is really the Michael Jackson thriller zombie time in college basketball because here come the zombies. Here come the top 25 lists. Here come the first, second, third team All-Americans, which we'll have at some point very soon. Here mm-hmm. come the freshmen, et cetera, et cetera. And in that spirit, before I get to my top 25 and we'll work backwards – I want to play a game with you. I wrote this down. I was doing some research, getting ready for this pod because, you know, to keep up with you, you are the best. I got, I got to really, you know, get ready. It's like studying for a test in college. Uh, I want to go back, Gus. I thought of the, let's say, 10 to 15-ish freshmen from last mm-hmm. year that were hyped coming into the mm-hmm. year. So I just went back. I looked at the teams, the way the season went. So at this time last year, could you tell me, is this player still in college basketball or not? Okay, I'm just going to read off these names. You can say here, not here. How about that? Make it quick, right? <laughs> present, not if present. Sti- yeah, present, not present. If they're s- present in college basketball, you say that. If they're not present, fine. These were just off the top of my head. I apologize, missed somebody, but I think I got most of them. Ready? Go. Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> not present. Marvin Bagley. Not present. Wendell Carter. Not present. Trayvon Duval. Not present. Gary Trent. Not present. DeAndre Ayton. Not present. Colin Sexton. Not present. Mo Bamba. Not present. Kevin Knox. Not present. Hamadou Diallo. Not present. A Trey Young. Not present. Troy Brown. Not present. Nikhil Alexander Walker. Present. Lonnie Walker. Not present. And Brian Bowen. Never present? So basically, off the top of my head, those 15 guys or so, one of them is back. Okay? Mm. Let's look at the ones I thought of this year. Ready? Okay. Romeo Langford. Ooh. Okay. It's, it's Again, could be somebody who could stay, could go, but probably he's going, right? Okay. Uh, so do you want? Do you just want me to say uh, my prediction of whether to stay or go? Yeah, stay or go. whether they're going to stay or go. Think of it that okay. way. Okay. Uh, go. Uh, I'll put these three together. Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson. I don't know, Gus, if you know, they're all going to Duke. Going, going, gone. Okay. Nazir Little, UNC. Gone. Charles Bassey at Western Kentucky. Hey, I, I, I think from the history there, got to say gone. Quentin Grimes at Kansas. Hmm. Unsure. Ashton Hagen at Kentucky. Hmm. Another unsure. I'll say gone. Keldon Johnson, also at Kentucky. Gone. Naz Reed, we a favorite here, LSU. Ooh. I, 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 selfishly, I hope he stays, but probably gone. Uh, Trey Jones at Duke. 
Hmm. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe frame and measurables keep him there. You think Javon Quinterly is going to come back at Villanova? Oh boy, I think it depends on how they do as a team, and that backcourt's a little crowded, so it may depend on how much play he gets. Jalen uh, Horde at Wake Forest. Oh, gone. Darius Garland at Vanderbilt. Gone. And finally, Brandon Williams, who decided finally to go to Arizona. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, If I had to lean one way or the other, I'd say gone too. Has anything, Gus, summed up how the college basketball landscape has changed better than those two lists? That is how you go back 10 years from now, 10 years ago, that was uh-huh. not happening. Basically, no. you write out the freshmen that are coming into play and pretty much none of them are going to be there. That the, is the difference. That's it right there. The sustainability isn't what it used to be and everything's in flux, which makes the coach's job much harder due to roster instability and uncertainty. So you're right. But also, at least we get to see these guys for one year in the college game and get a scouting report on them, see what they're good and bad at, see what they get to improve at, what can you like nitpick in their game. So as much as the one and done makes sense, especially you know Kobe, Garnett, so on and so on, it's nice that these guys are in the college game that we love for that one singular year. And we talk about, you know, you and I have gone back and forth about how sometimes these freshmen can be overrated, right? Sometimes they're right on. All the time. Right? Yeah. But also, to be fair, upperclassmen can also be overrated. And before we get into this, can we stop with Ethan Happ being an All-American? <laughs> I like Ethan Happ. He is a, a great, I'll say uh, yeah, great college basketball player. Gus, if Ethan Happ makes any end of season All-American first, second, or third team, I will sing the Wisconsin Badger fight song on this podcast. You can take that to the bank. Every year we had this last year with Ethan Happ. Enough yep. with Ethan Happ. I don't think Wisconsin is going to be very good. They did not mm-hmm. make my top 25. Greg Gard, mm-hmm. can you speak on the sideline? Okay. Can you say something when the camera's on you? I, I, Ethan Happ, I think he would be great on Kentucky. Okay. Like a Reed Travis type of guy. Sure. But yep. at Wisconsin, okay, he is not getting enough pub. The team is not going to be good enough. And I just read off all those freshmen. Gus, how many think of those are going to make the – five, six? How many of those guys think will make – at least five of them are going to make it? So you're telling me Ethan Happ is one of the top ten returning players in college basketball? He may be, but he ain't getting on that list. Just my opinion. Humble opinion. Nothing against Wisconsin. I'm singing the fight song, Gus. I'll tell you right now. You can take it to the bank. I don't even know what the fight we, song is. I'll sing it. Well, we might have, we might need to Google that and look that up. Um, I'm sure you know if, if you're a Wisconsin uh, listener out there and a fan – uh, please hit up Mike at Randall Rand or hit the podcast up at SDS Podcast Efficiency of Keystrokes on Twitter. Uh, we, we'd love to get some information that way as far as the fight song is concerned. Um, but I think your – I'm just going to harken back to or echo back to the conversation that we had the previous podcast with your questioning of Greg Gar. Is he, is he the top-level coach? Is he the difference-making coach? Yes, he got spoiled when he inherited that team from Bo Ryan that still had some NBA-ish talent on it uh, with Coning and, and Hayes. So what can he do with his own crew? I mean, Hap is a holdover from that from that team as well, but is Hap going to take the next step offensively? I think that's the big question with his game. We know he's uh, gifted defensively, uh, gifted down in the post. Uh, his hands are special. Um, but is Gar that top-level coach, and can Hap expand his game uh, that 
and include that next element, that next element being uh, extended shooting range. My big, yeah, and my biggest, the Big Ten, Michigan State, Michigan, Nebraska, Indiana, Purdue. Okay, I, I think mm-hmm. that those are tournament teams. I, I don't see Wisconsin being better than any of those teams. So mm. I don't think a guy who's going to be on the sixth best Big Ten team, which is still down, if you look at the other conferences, yeah, is making it. Gus, I've seen places where people like Ethan Happ for first team All-American over Luke May and Ruri Hashimura. What are you watching? What, what, <laughs> what game on what type of rule-structured Balancesto game is Ethan Happ going to be better than Luke May or Ruri Hashimura? Where? Would uh, where is that happening? What is he going to do? Is he? They're going to score twenty points every game, okay? And he's going to have eighteen of them because that's the only way it's going to happen. And even so, am I? Where, do you see them being better, honestly, than Michigan State, Michigan, Nebraska, Indiana, Purdue? Maybe you do. Is is it, what team can they be better? No, um, I think I, I I have them in the same area that you do. I have them in the like four, five, six range. Like that's where I have them in. Is he better than Mike Dom, Gus? Mike Dom, he's not going to get an All American team, but he Ethan Happ is. You know, you they're going to win I, thirty games. You know, you, how about this? Do you feel like maybe some of these hat picks are like double down picks from last year? Yeah, yeah, and there's listed. Yes, well, that selected him last year. Like, oh, I'm just going to stick with this because I thought he was going to do this last year, so and he's back again. So Gus, I'm I don't just think doubling down than, on the selection. Yeah, and that's fair. There's a lot. You know, you mentioned your sub about Villanova last time. There's a lot of that for me here. Yeah, absolutely. I would fall into that with Villanova. I'm yeah. going to rattle off this list in a minute, then I'll shut up. I don't think he's better than Daniel Gafford. I don't, I don't think he's a bit more. I don't think he's going to have as big an impact as Daniel Gafford will have in Arkansas, who, by the way, just knocked a ball off the top of my house again. Okay, like I, I'm sorry. Whatever. Let me get started. We'll be here all day. Folks. Okay. All right. Thanks Very for good. listening. Okay. Here we go. We're going to go backwards. Gus, rip me apart, please. If you hate it, tell me you hate it. It's fine. Sit okay. there like the Yoda basketball person that you are. Okay. Put me in the cry, the cry, cryogenic tank like Han Solo. Okay. With Jabba, just do your thing. Here we go. Number 25 is going to be the Clemson Tigers. Now, this is where I think, in my mind, headed into the season they should be. I can't tell you, Gus, that the top four teams here are going to be in the final four. We can't do that. To do that would be stupid, okay? But in terms of coming into the season, where I think they are right now, talent, expectations, whatever, this is what we got. Number 25, the Clemson Tigers. They were 25-10 last year, 11-7 and in conference. They made the Sweet 16. You talked about it. Marquise Reed, by the way, there's a C in that name for those people that have trouble spelling out there. One of the hardest names to spell, Clemson. Marquise Reed, M-A-R-C-Q-U-I-S-E, just saying. And Sheldon Mitchell, they're coming back. That's 28 points per game. Senior backcourt in the ACC, that means a lot to me. Their schedule, Duke once on the road, UNC and Virginia only once, and both games are at home. They start the ACC at Duke at Syracuse UVA. Gus, give me one and two from Clemson, and then they roll the rest of the way. I like the Clemson Tigers at 25. Here's what I think you need to pay attention to. Number one, the fact that you talked about the schedule. They have that unreal like losing streak going to UNC, so will that obviously they don't have to play them at yeah, UNC. Good point. So that's a, good that's point. a big yes. plus, yeah. mm-hmm. right? They, they don't have to like break that curse. Very good. And also I think with that backcourt, especially in the ACC, where you are going to have bigger talent. Like you mentioned the big talent that Duke is going to have. We mentioned May. Uh, UNC is going to have those bigs. Uh, Wake Forest as well. Everybody in that league is going to have like, it's not going to be somebody playing six, seven at center. There's going to be six, 10 people playing center. Who's going to be the, who are going to be the bigs that are going to help the amazing backcourt that is Reed and Mitchell out. I think if they can get some quality play from Sims, uh, maybe some quality play from Thomas down low, I think that makes sense. Um, and I really, I'm, I'm with you on Reed. I think he's a really special player. I think he's what um, DeAnthony Melton 
was supposed to be last year for USC, and I bet he's that this year for Clemson, which is a, a special player in the backcourt. Yeah, I, I th- if you're you're in the ACC, Bromel got over the hump, and you're bringing back a senior backcourt. It's good enough for me. That, that that's good enough. The ACC that works. You want to battle Big Twelve? You want to battle SEC? We'll do that all year long. That works. Okay, that works for me. And you're in the top twenty five now. Twenty four, the Indiana Hoosiers, mm. sixteen and five last year, nine and nine. We know no postseason, but here comes Archie. You're going to give me Jawan Morgan as a yep. senior. You're going to give me Romeo Langford. Now, listen, I'm not going to be hypocritical. Okay, if you feel I'm hypocritical, contact the show at SDS Podcast on Twitter or myself at Randall Rand or Gus at C Kearns 12. Okay, I think Romeo Langford's special. I, everything I've read about him, uh, I've seen some stuff online. I, I just think he's he has a great coach in Archie Miller. You put him with Jawan Morgan. There's a senior leadership. There's Romeo Langford. There's Archie Miller, and there's a weak Big Ten. Bing, bang, bam. That's my idea. I like the athleticism of six, seven, soft Justin Smith on the wing. Yep. I think he can come in and do some things and feed off of those three guys. You want to talk schedule? Ohio State once at home, Wisconsin once at home. It makes sense. How about this? Do you think it's crazy that they might have two of the best four players in the whole entire league on the same team? Uh, very true. You could have two all Big Ten players. I mean, listen, Ethan Happ's getting one spot. And he is. I, I, I'm not joking. I do think right, he's getting right. one. Okay. Maybe, but, yeah, like maybe include like uh, Palmer from Nebraska. No, that's a good one. That's Winston good one. Yeah. from Michigan uh, State. I hate, I hate Winston. We'll get to that. Matthews from Michigan. But like yes, they could have yes. two of the top four players in the league. And this, I mean, I feel like we talked about this with the Duke team a couple of years ago. If you're going to have a squad that every night you're going to have the two best players on the floor, I don't know. I think that's going to win a lot of games. And you mentioned Smith on the wing. Smith is like the perfect like Archie Miller player, uh, a player that doesn't need to score to impact the game on the wing. He'll board or defend. He'll move the ball. Uh, obviously, he, he fits in perfectly with what Archie's trying to do schematically. So I, I, think, the, I think the simple solution to like the Indiana question is – how good do you think? Uh, how good do you think Morgan is going to be? And then how good do you think Langford's going to be? Are, if you think they're going to be the two best players on the floor for Indiana every night, then this is a top twenty-five team automatic, and maybe we're even selling them short. How about that? Yeah, and I think that much like last year, uh, Zaire Smith had that impact there for Texas Tech. I think that. Uh, Justin Smith can have, I don't know what's up with the Smiths, by the way. I, I think that he can have that sort of impact when you have an athletic player like that on the wing who can be sort of your forward guard guy and can play off right. of other people. That's a dangerous combination. And again, the linchpin is Archie Miller in my book, my opinion. And by the way, Gus, perfect lead in because a all big 10 list is not a list without a player from Michigan on it. Okay. Let's just, this is true. Speaking of which, number 23, the Michigan Wolverines, they were, they were 33 and eight last year, 13 and five, of course, in conference and made that miraculous run to the championship game, which would have never happened if not for that big three pointer, of course, against Houston. Charles Matthews is a junior. Livers will take a big step forward. He did some nice things there. You talked about him as well down the stretch. Xavier Simpson. And of course, let's not forget about Teske. Okay. Uh, he's not Isaac Haas. We know that. He's not Mo right. Wagner. We know that. But does he have to be? He just has to be functional. He did some nice things. He is 7-1. Size does matter in basketball. We'll take it. And of course, there's John Damn Beeline. Okay. Yeah. That's who's there. Ohio State once at home. By the way, Ohio State has a tough schedule because everybody's, everybody's playing them at home. Indiana's playing once at home. Chris Holt is going to earn his money. So, I mean, I haven't checked that Ohio State schedule. They're not my top 25, but it sounds like they got a tough one. 
Uh, Ohio State only once at home. Michigan, I think they're going to be mixed. I do think us will take a step back. I do not think this is a Final Four season. I'm not doubting him at all, but I think they're losing a lot there. And I, I think they'll be a very solid out. They'll be a very tough out. This has Sweet 16 written all over it to me. Great call. And, um, that's what it is. But love Charles Matthews. Liver's got to take a step forward. Johnny Beeline, Michigan, play on a free roll this year. Oh, I think very free roll this year. I think he's going to like playing with that house money and with that – now with like some clout, now that he's made like two finals, like, man, that, that makes sense. Uh, I know that Wagner and Abdurrahman are going to, you know, he trusted those seniors unbelievably. Uh, he put a lot of value in the ball handling and decision-making in Abdurrahman. And of course he gave Wagner a, a ton of freedom on the offensive end. Uh, and you saw that in the tournament last year. And I agree. I think Teske has to do a couple of things, not everything. And if we're going to pick a guy that is going to pop, I think it's going to be Jordan Poole. I don't think there's yes, any I – yes, you, you talked about the shot against Houston. I, I don't think there's any other player to point to on this particular roster besides Jordan Poole as the next great, like, efficient Michigan offensive player. I can see him filling that role perfectly. John Pesky, functional. That's not good enough for the podcast, is it? No, it's close. It's okay. close. It's not there yet. <laughs> John, we're getting there. John, we're, we're getting building, there. We're, we're, we're building towards it. As we're building towards the top 25 here. Number 22, the TCU Horn Frogs. All right. 21 and 12 last year. 9 and 9 in a tough Big 12. And when I rattled off my end of the season, which, by the way, I will make a regular feature here on the Screen to Screener podcast this year. After like a couple games, I'll just do win losses for the entire conference and come up with who's going to win. And then, of course, bet the opposite because that is not going to happen. They lost in the first round of Syracuse, gave Syracuse a good game. No Jalen Fisher. You talked about that. He's hurt again. That is going to hold them back. But listen, a solid nucleus. J.D. Miller, Quat Noyes, only a sophomore. Alex Robinson, you know I have this love-hate relationship with him. I know he's very important, but when I watch him, he stinks, okay? Desmond Bain, shoot the ball, Desmond. Maybe that's the name of the podcast. Shoot the ball, Desmond Bain, 46 point. We're getting very Warmer, warmer. 46.1% from three-point range. Gus, I'll tell you this, TCU's end of Big 12 conference schedule. Ready? At West Virginia, Texas Tech home, K-State home at Texas. So there's no big easings there. But Jamie Dixon, great job. Job security, Jamie Dixon. He's doing a fantastic. I think they'll be in the top 25. I like the sum of the parts here. But no go-to guy kept him out of the top 20 for me. Yeah, and I think that you were kind of counting on Fisher to be that go-to guy. And when he comes back, like how he's going to fit into the puzzle that they've already kind of put together without him. So that's always a tricky situation when you bring your supposed star player back into an already uh, firmed-up team construct. That I, 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 Jamie Dix is going to have to figure that out. I think that is going to be not difficult, but I think challenging and I don't think it's going to be as easy as it seems like when, oh, Jalen Fisher is returning. Oh, great. Put money on TCU. I, I, I think that meshing period might take a couple of games. And also, I, I think you're right. They're going to struggle without that go-to guy. And I think, of course, we talked about it last uh, last time on the podcast. The biggest thing with TCU is can they firm up some things on the defensive end? Uh, you mentioned like their score totals uh, for, for multiple games. They were in the 80s and 90s and lived that way. Uh, did it breed success in a March invite? Yes, but I think if they're going to take that next step, uh, live in the top 25 all year and win a game in March and maybe even think about the second weekend, then I think they have to do something a little bit more firm on the defensive end. You know, I struggled with 21. I wanted to put Loyola Chicago higher. I wanted mm-hmm. to put them in the top 20. They're fantastic. I just, you know, here's the thing. Maybe they can take the Gonzaga step, okay, where nice little run, 
perennial, that's just really hard to do, okay? And I'm putting them in here because they're going to have a solid, solid season, but they're not surprising anyone next year. So people are going to be fired up. 32 and 6, 15 and 3 in conference, final four, Sister Jean's 99. We know the whole story. Clayton Custer, Missouri Valley Player of the Year. He's back. Crutwig's back. He's a sophomore. Marcus Towns, that's a total gust of 35.8 points per game coming back on a Final Four team. If this team had any other name next to it, Duke, Kansas, they'd be number one in the country. A Final Four team returning 35.8 points per game that plays the type of defense they do? However, mm-hmm. I do think people are going to get up for them. And I don't know, you know, sometimes it's an adjustment period. You know, Northwestern wasn't nearly as successful as Loyola Chicago, but they brought everybody back and they struggled. So I'll put them in the top 25. I have them at 21. Of course, the big game on the schedule for them, November 27th in Chicago, Missouri Valley Mount West Challenge with Nevada. Haven't we had this conversation a number of different times? Not necessarily you and I, but just the college basketball community as a whole. Haven't we had the conversation of like, oh, they're going to be the next Gonzaga? Oh, they're, they're going to be the next big mid-major. They're like, and, and we felt like we've had that conversation. And I think the, you know, we use this word before, but I think the sustainability of these programs is so fragile that it, it takes a special coach and it takes a special vibe in, and it also, it, 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 you need that culture. And Porter Mosier may have it, but I got to see may. it first. I got to see may. it first. Yes, yes. But I think if we're going to continue that conversation, I think the team that makes the most sense and is logical to plug into the fill in the blank of that conversation is Loyola Chicago. So I'm with you on that. Definitely. Going to the top 20, we're rolling. Florida State Seminoles. Uh, they were 30, 23 and 12. They were 9 and 9 in conference, but they did have the nice run to the Elite Eight. They got Phil Colfer back at forward. They got Terrence Mann back at guard. That's 25.4 points per game. They have great ancillary pieces. They have a lot of depth. David Nichols is there, transferred from Albany. Mm-hmm. So, I, listen, I told you, when you expect them to do stuff, they usually disappoint, but they certainly have a lot of athleticism. And listen, they may only be a middle-of-the-pack team in the ACC, which is crazy. I think a great battle is between them and Clemson. Who do you think is going to be better? I think it's a coin flip, really. It depends on what you like. But – they need a big home court advantage. They need to get some big wins. They are the type of team that can win at Duke. They can absolutely win games like that. But I think 20 is just about right. I love their athleticism and their talent. That's why I put them in the top 20. I think you're right to put them inside the top 20. And I thought I think it's also a correct move to have Florida State inside your top, preseason top 25. You mentioned the people that they have coming back. They always have a big inside that can make a uh, be a shot deter uh, and, and disruptor. Uh, and I think the the thing that Florida State has done a better job with is keeping talent on the wing and having shooters and athletes out there that can actually make a play. Uh, you, you might want to throw in uh, Raekwon Gray or Anthony Polite into that equation on the wing as well as far as like shot makers and good decision makers and good ball handlers. Um, and you want to see if both of those red shirt freshmen like learned and absorbed what that elite eight run you know, entailed and see if that they can apply that this season when they're in part of the rotation. And I, I agree with Nichols. I think he's kind of an under the radar guy for this team. And I think he's going to make a big impact, maybe not scoring wise, but definitely uh, stability wise for the roster and for the team. I decided to put West Virginia 19th. Yeah. Right. I, you know, it's, it's a belief pretty much in Huggins 26 and 11, 11 and seven in conference. 
Sweet 16. His teams get better as the year goes on. So I'm here thinking that they are going to get better. And I'm believing exactly what's going to happen here, that they he will find a way to get them at the end of the year going. Now, if you want to talk about what they have back, they have – I mean, they have Issa Mod back. They have Kanate, mm-hmm. Duck, okay, Lamont West. But they're, but they're all big men. Now, if you look at their schedule, listen, it's going to be brutal. And if, especially at the start, their non-conference schedule, they do have Florida on December 4th. Yep. They're going to have Rhode Island on December 16th. Mm-hmm. They, then they go. Then they – here we go. I mean, the Big 12 schedule is just so brutal. I'm going to rattle this off. It's just hard. Texas Tech home at Texas at Kansas State. Oklahoma State, I mean, that's not a gimme anymore, at TCU. They got Tennessee in there in the Big 12 ACC Challenge. So they're at their game in that challenge and against the SEC, I mean, Big, yeah, Big 12 SEC, is going to be at Tennessee. Tough draw. Brutal. Okay? Not the draw you want. I don't know no. what you want, but that's not it. All right? Uh, and then the end of the year, they got Kansas at Kansas, Kansas State at Baylor, TCU at Oklahoma, Iowa State at Oak State. So it's a tough run. I think they're going to get better. They have to win their home games. I just couldn't keep them out of the top 20. It's really that simple. But the question is going to be the guard play. Oh, and that's exactly where I was going to go with the follow-up here. How many times on this podcast, how many times in your conversation with your buddies or your family during March and in, uh, when the conference tournaments are on, and you're getting ready to fill out your bracket. How many times do you lean back on one of the go-to phrases in our sport, guards win in March? So that's going to be the question. Does he have enough guard play to get the ball to those talented uh, wing players and bigs that you mentioned earlier in your rundown? That That's going to make a difference. And I agree with your trust in Coach Huggins that he'll figure out a way to manufacture that and to facilitate that and make sure that that happens. But at the same point, why not lean back on – if we're going to question something about West Virginia and the Mountaineers, why not lean on one of the old adages, guards win in March, and when you lose two high-quality guards like they did last year in Carter and Miles, like legitimately the identity of their program last year and for the past four years, like that's got to sting and that's got to factor. So are they going to find guards that can help them win in March? I put Michigan State 18th. 30 and 5, 16 and 2. They ran a 32 last year. Couldn't beat Syracuse. Terrible job. I think Kenny Goins is better than you think. Uh, I think he gets in foul trouble. He gets very active, but I think he's a solid, workable big man. You know, I would almost say like a Euro big. I know he doesn't shoot much, but I feel like he's always at the foul line looking to hit that backdoor pass off the wing. I like Goins. I think he has a little versatility. Cassius Winston, you got to be better. I can't have 12.6. Joshua Langford, you got to be more than a shooter. Joshua Langford, you can't give me the heart rate monitor. You can't give me the 25 points and the six threes and the eight points. You have to be more consistent. And Nick Ward, my wife hates him. He's always traveling. He's awkward. <laughs> Here's the thing, Gus. I don't think Josh, Joshua Langford and Cassius Winston can be consistent. I don't think they, they have to, they need to be bump and thump. They need to be 15 and 14 every night. I don't think they can do it. They should have mm. done it last year. They had every opportunity. It never got right. So this year, all of a sudden it is because Miles Bridges is in there. I'm not buying it. And prove it to me, Tom Izzo, because right now people are starting to whisper that maybe you're going the wrong way. Maybe retirement's around the corner. Prove it to me. I don't like betting against Izzo, but it's been a long time since he showed something. That Middle Tennessee State loss is still hanging around, okay? Write the the damn ship, Tom Izzo. Prove me wrong. I don't think you can do it. I'll put him 18, but there's no way in heck I got him going to the Elite Eight. No way. So I think 18 sounds about right for this team, and I think the – I think the range or the spectrum that you could put this team at, if you have them inside the top 10, I can understand that. If you have them at 25 or maybe poking outside of the top 25, I can also understand that too. Here's why. 
you mentioned the problem slash, I don't know, solution. Because Bridges and Jackson were getting most of the attention last year and multiple touches. And maybe that limited Winston and Lankford's impact on the game. With more input into scenarios and so uh, and and game situations, is that going to be better for Michigan State or is that going to be worse? I think we can just encapsulize how the Spartans are going to do inside that equation. Is more Cassius Winston and Lankford making decisions with the ball in crunch time and in crucial late clock, shot clock decision-making situations better or worse for Michigan State? If it turns out to be better, then they're a top 10 team. If it turns out to be worse, then maybe you have them just in the right place. 17, I'm a Ben Hallen truther. Okay, Mississippi State, I got the Bulldogs 17. They're 25 and 12 last year, 9 and 9. But this is relevant. If you look at the last five years that the Bulldogs have had, things Mm -hmm. are headed in the right direction. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 college basketball seasons. Ready? 3 and 15 in conference, 6 and 12, 7 and 11, 6 and 12, 9 and 9. Last year, they actually made the NIT. The mm-hmm. Weatherspoon brothers are back. Played, played well in the NIT, too. Played very well, yes. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Weatherspoon, 6'4", senior, 14.4 points per game. Brother Nick, 6'2", guard, sophomore, 10.8 points per game. They bring Eric Coleman back. He'll be a senior, 10.9. Gus, that's 35 points per game that they're bringing back with a fantastic coach who people's counting out. And you know me, I love the coaches. I overvalue them. This is a dangerous team. Everybody's going to sleep on them. I like Mississippi State. I think they're going to be this year's sleeper, and I like they have size, and I like that they're well coached. You nailed everything. There's not much else I can follow up with here. The only thing that I'll point out about Mississippi State and why I think I like where you have them, and maybe this is even too low for them. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I had them like slightly higher, but not much, is they have the impact players in the crucial positions on the floor. You mentioned the Witherspoons. Both of them are going to play on the wing and have ball handling responsibilities. And if when you have return guards, we, we talked about with West Virginia, guards win in March, boom, you have two of them right there. And you mentioned the big man, middle Holman. He, is, he can score on the block. He can change the game defensively inside. He, he's that type of athlete. He can get you a couple of easy baskets. So when push comes to shove, that's nice to get that easy basket when you need to stop the momentum of the other team. So they do have players that are kind of NBA-ish players at impact positions and the right positions. And I'm with you on on, uh, on Coach Allen. Like, if you've been to a couple Final Fours, I'm good with that. And let me put it to you this way. You're talking about a team that has two brothers, Nick and Quindary, in the backcourt who are returning, two solid guards. And then you talk about the frontcourt. You have Holman and Ado. Both 6'10", 6'11", and oh, by the way, they got 6'10", freshman Reggie Perry coming in. So they're large, they rebound, they're well-coached, and they have a solid backcourt. I think people are too low on them. In fact, I may have them too low as well. I really like Mississippi State this year. Six- I'm gonna throw, I'll throw in one, one other thing on Mississippi State. Yep. Let's pay attention to Reggie Perry. Yes. Frosh on the wing is going to do some damage. 6'10". Maybe not, maybe not scoring-wise, but I think he's going to make an impact – uh, on the floor, and I bet you see him a lot more later on in the season. LSU, Tigers, Will Wade, I'm a fan. 18-5 and five last year. 80- can, I, can, I, can I interrupt you just for a second? Sure. 
You need to get on your soapbox right now about Will Wade. Can you do that for the listeners right now? Because you are a little bit ahead of the curve as far as like everybody's opinion on Will Wade. So can you just can you just recap what we've talked about over the summer on the podcast, how you feel about Will Wade, just and then get into your breakdown. Yeah, folks, Will Wade is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. He's a Zen. He's a Brad Stevens like guy. He puts people in the right in the right places. He's from the VCU success tree. He's done a lot better job than Shaka Smart. And this year, he has a massive recruiting class coming in. So you want me to talk about Tremont Waters? You want me to talk about having a sophomore 5'11 up guard that was 15.9 points per game, six assists per game, shot 35% from three, 80% from the line? Sure. Why don't we talk about who they have in the front court as well? This is like a mirror of Mississippi State. It's great that I have them back-to-back here. You have Naz Reed out of Jersey who's dominant. 6'10", he's a likely lottery pick. Don't forget about Cavell Bigby-Williams who left Oregon and he's there at 6'11". They have have great five-star prospects. Both of those guys are five-star prospects. And they have Will Wade, and that's all you need. I think they're going to take the SEC by storm. You know I'm on my SEC soapbox. I love the conference, and that's what I think is going to happen. And one more thing. I think Will Wade was very smart. I think he knew this was going to be a good year. Listen to his out-of-conference schedule. It is not good, but I don't care. Ready? (laughs) Southeast Louisiana, UNC Greensboro, Memphis, Louisiana Tech, Charleston, Grambling State, Incarnate Word, at Houston, ooh, St. Mary's, dear Lord, coming to LSU. <laughs> Furman. Can, I, I, can, we, can we just bet LSU right now? I, right? I wish. I, my bookie.ag. Can I put a bet in for the game on December 5th? Well, we know the line. I don't care the lines. I'll give you we 20 points right now. Okay. Naz right. Reed, watch out. <laughs> Naz Reed, protect your neck. There's the name of the podcast. Furman, Louis, Louisiana Monroe. And then they get into the Alabama, Arkansas slate. I Listen, right. you know me. I love LSU. They are the real deal. Do you think they might be one of those teams that comes into conference play like undefeated or with one loss and then you find them, boom, they're at number seven in the country? Yeah, and you know what? Yes, very true. And you know what, partner? They only play Tennessee once and it's home on Saturday, yep. February 23rd. Very, oh. very. I, ho- I hope I hope that game gets hyped because that could be a gigantic game. That could be one of the best games, not just in the ACC, but just the, one of the best games in college basketball, especially if they come in with that gaudy record. Uh, I just wanted to give a little shout-out to Skylar Mays. Oh, yeah, of course. Waters, yeah, can't, yeah. Waters, can't do, Waters can't do it alone in the backcourt. It's nice to have a vet to lean on, and that's exactly what Mays is going to do. Obviously, with the guys that you listed and the roster that they have in place, Mays isn't going to be counting on doing a ton. But you know what? He's going to knock down shots from the outside. He's going to make good decisions with the ball, and he's going to be – I don't know, like the yin to uh, Waters uh, uh, Yang. I, I, I think that this team is exactly where you need them to be. And by the way, if LSU fans, if they make the Sweet 16, how crazy would that would that fan base go? Because you have them at 16. I think, I think we're headed down there, by the way. I think we're going yeah. to have to check that out on, on location, screen to screen on location. Number 15, Syracuse. Jim Beheim can coach. Say whatever you want, he can coach. And last year, he was on fire in the tournament. 23-14, and 14, we talked about should they be in, should they not be in. We both were in agreement they should not be in, but I thought they were going to be in. 8-10 eight, eight right. in conference, below 500 in the ECC. But then they get in, and they get on fire, and they reach the Sweet 16 and lose to Duke 69-65. to 65. They are going to be a big-time issue. Tyus Battle could absolutely find a way to be first-team All-American. 19.2 points per game last year. Absolutely likes to make big shots. They have size. 
Uh, Dollars out was great inside, 5.8, 4.8, does a little bit of everything. Frank Howard's back, 14.4 points per game. Don't forget about Chukwu, okay? 5.4, 6.8. He's got it all. They're long. They're well coached. This is a team. He's returning all five of his starters. Jim Beheim is a Hall of Fame coach who plays an impossible style that people hate to match up with, and he's returning all five of his starters. You know what that means? It means the number 15 for me. How about this? I left them out of my top 25-ish just because I feel like I have a, a like a quasi-Syracuse bias. <laughs> I, I, feel like I, I feel like I do in, in March as well. Like I never pick them and then they're upset. Like it, they blow up a bracket every single year. Point through, wing through, seal the zone, dump it inside, lock. Okay, I know. I don't know what my bias is, but here's what I'm going to admit to the listeners out there. I need to get over it because this team is good. I need to see through my veiled view of Syracuse because battle, great call with him. There is a pathway a path. for yes. him to be a first-team All-American. There is. There is. Like, he he could possibly lead the conference in scoring. I know they don't play at that type of pace, but they do give him a Absolutely. number of – they give him a ton of freedom on the offensive end. Uh, so that, that could work. And you, don't forget about Brissett. He can do a whole bunch of things on the wing and board and, and, and be disruptive on the inside. Yeah, I, I need to remove my bias and see Syracuse for the true team that they are. And I think you have them properly placed at 15, even though I left them completely out. Hokie Nation, Virginia Tech checks in at number 14. I believe, yeah. in, I believe in Buzz Williams. They have advanced to the NCAA tournament each of the last two years after not making it for nine consecutive seasons. Look at what's gone on here with the Hokies the last five years. In conference, 2-16, and 2-16, 10-8, So he's raised the floor, Buzz Williams has. He has five of his top six scorers and top five rebounders back so that people are expecting things, and I think they're going to deliver. Are they going to be better than Syracuse? Are they going to be better than some of those teams in the middle of the pack there in the ECC? I think that's the key question. 21 and 12, 10 and 8 in conference. They lost Justin Bibbs, but everybody else is back. Blackshear is back, 12.5. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the only freshman who's back from last year, 10.7 points per game. He could really take a step forward. Ahmad Hill, 10.6. So he's got, and don't forget Isaiah Wilkins as well coming in as a freshman. They got the good recruiting class. I think they can take a step forward, Virginia Tech, and I believe in Buzz Williams. So between Kerry Blackshear and Chris Clark, played in 33 games last year. If they're healthy, that's the big key. If they are healthy with Justin Robinson, this yep. team is going to make it back to the NCAA tournament, and they could go a heck of a lot farther this year. I like them as well. Tough matchup. Remember, they also did beat Virginia last year. Remember that game? That's probably the game that uh, you know secured their March invite. They needed it. Regardless they needed of it their, yep. Yeah, regardless of their uh, finish in, C, uh, in conference at the end of the season, which didn't go exactly according to plan. How about this? I have two things for you on, on Virginia Tech. How about Robinson and Alexander Walker being one of the most underrated backcourts in the nation? Ah, good one. Excellent. Very good. Not not just in conference, in the nation. And let's just – let's hit the rewind button a little bit. Let's let's go back to Marquette. Do you know how many NBA players that that Buzz like kind of – Yes. Yeah, underrated. Mm -hmm. Do do you know what they did? Were they one-and-done guys at Marquette? No, they they weren't one-and-done guys. They, the, the, they stayed there just like the one player that you included on that freshman list that remained. Mikhail Alexander-Walker remains, and I bet that Buzz got his NBA developing claws into him, and we see a gigantic jump, and that gigantic jump vaults Virginia Tech ahead of the Florida States, ahead of the Syracuses, ahead of the Clemsons, 
in conference and then maybe has them clawing and scratching at the top ha- the top teams in the conference, the UNCs and the Dukes. You know, keep this in mind for the betting. We got to keep this next time when we when we go through the season. It's something that we'll forget about. So I, I trust you with your memory to, to to jar me here. When Buzz Williams gets a second crack at you, he usually he might, he's a workaholic. Buzz, if he gets a second crack, he usually gets you because I think the guy is a junkie. I think he stays up all night. I think he perseverates over these losses. Take a look at what happened last year. They played Virginia on January third. At home, lost 78-52. I was going to say, I remember that one being ugly. 26-point loss. Ready? At Virginia, Saturday, February 10th in overtime, wins 61-60. Better yet, Wednesday, because you want to say that there was a big difference there, that maybe they caught them napping. Hold on a second. Wednesday, February 14th, happy Valentine's Day. Go to Duke, lose 74-52. Come on back 12 days later. He must have not slept for 12 days, Gus. Duke at home, win 64-63. That's Buzz Williams. When Buzz gets you the second time, take the points. I don't care where it is. We got to remember that this year. Had the tough Definitely. loss, had the tough loss to Alabama, but it's really a, a positive vote for Buzz is what it is. And he's got a lot of guys coming back. I think the, the game against Alabama can simply be that Alabama had the better, the best player on the court by far. Uh, and that was the difference in that particular game. And like we said before, like guards went in March. And I also talk about uh, like a basketball bender. Like, do you think Buzz was just on a basketball bender for those 12 days? I, I think that might have been the case. <laughs> he takes a per- – you know, his coaches probably say, dear God, we're not going to go home and see our families. But that's all right. For our purposes, we love that. Number 13, unlucky number 13, I'm going to go with Villanova. I'm down lower on Villanova than most people. I think they take a little bit of a step back in a very yeah. tough Big East. Last year, of course, 36-4, and 14-4, and national champions, the whole thing. I understand that. They get Eric Pascal back. That's fine. Gillespie, Phil Booth, Cosby Roundtree, if you're into him, that's fine. Javon, Javon Quinterly from here, out here from Hudson Catholic in New Jersey. Very excited about that. I just think they take a step back, Gus. They've been phenomenal. The Villanova fans that we know are all fired up about them. Listen, they have a solid nucleus. I just think the teams that I'm going to list ahead of them are better. I love Jay Wright. He's done a phenomenal job. He's a Hall of Fame coach, period. End of story. I'm just not buying Villanova this again. I'm not. I think this is a nice spot for them. I have them, you know, like I said, a four seed, something like that, maybe losing yeah. in the Sweet 16, a real solid high floor season, but I do not see an Elite Eight or higher coming back for them this year. How about this? Can I take the conversation a different place with Villanova? Do they win the Big East season title or do they win the Big East uh, tournament title in Madison Square Garden? Do you think they're good enough to do either one of those things or both of those things? If you made me bet, they win neither. Okay. That's my, that, and I listen, I understand that that is not a popular opinion. I get that. I have a feeling that the Big East is going to get a little funky this year. And I think that the pack is caught up. If you made me pick, they win neither. Interesting. If you made me pick one, I think they have a better chance of winning the tournament. How about this? If they win neither, are they still going to be a four seed? They'd probably be, you know, I think they can be, they can be the second best team in the regular mm-hmm. season. And I think they could lose in the semifinals of the Big East, right? Okay. So couldn't that be yeah. like a, a five seed? Yeah. Or, yeah. I, you know, somewhere that like that. Yes. No, I, I know I'm in the minority on this as I usually am. Uh, I, I think that they're not going to win either. And it's just watching basketball. You know, you're playing poker and Gus, Jay Wright pushed his chips in the middle and I'm calling him on the river. 
And sometimes that's what it's about. It's not always math. It's not always logical. It's not always you have all the top recruits coming in. It's not It's not that easy. In this case, that's my gut. I don't think you got it. I'm calling you. Let's see what you got, Jay, right? Uh, I can't wait to see what his hold cards are this season. I'm looking forward to that. Who do you got at number 12? All right, so you want the surprise? You ready? Yeah. Number, number 12 is Washington. I Wow. Yes, number 12 is Washington. I love the Washington Huskies. Not just we, because we did a video on them. Check out our YouTube channel, Screen the Screener Podcast, see all the great videos. I'm buying in. Mike Hopkins, he had a, a terrible group when he came in. But he turned it around. He beat Kansas. He beat Arizona. They won 21 games. He was Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Cafe Mocha's for everybody. He's got a lot of guys coming back. He's got a post player in Noah Dickerson who pulled out of the NBA draft. Seven-foot recruit coming in. The backcourt, Theibel, was the defensive player of the year for the Pac-12. David Crisp, real solid. Two-year starter, about 12 points per game. And Jalen Noel led the team in scoring during his first year, 16 points per game. So let's summarize. Beat Kansas, beat Arizona, have the conference coach of the year, have the conference defensive player of the year, have this a first team conference player, Noah Dickerson, coming back, who is a very, you know, outside shot at what? Third team All American? You got sure. you got crisp, Noel, home court advantage, and a style. They're top twelve for me. I think you're ahead of the curve on this. I think that people are going to hear this podcast hear about them being 12 in the country and then hear your rationale and then be like, oh, wait, yeah, I guess I have them too low too. I think this pick is going to be a reactionary uh, tidal wave of every other prognostic preseason prognostication that's out there. I love this pick. I wish I had the guts to make this pick. And I'll tell you right now, I'm big on Noel. I'm big on their backcourt. I'm big on Chris returning. Guards win. We said that guards win in March. They have guards. They have difference makers down low, and they definitely have a unique style of play that will give opponents issues if they're not ready for it and prepped for it. They were 21 and 13, 10 and 8 in conference in the same conference, right church, wrong pew. Number 11 for me are the Oregon Ducks. Ooh. I love Dana Altman. I love a top five recruiting class. He's got bull bull. He has size inside. <laughs> We've talked about Peyton Pritchard being very underrated. They were also 23-13 and 13 and 10-8 in conference. This is my version of your Villanova pick. I was too low on them last year. I did not give them enough credit, so maybe I'm overcompensating here. But I have Oregon at number 11. Peyton Pritchard was 14 points per game back. Paul White's coming mm-hmm. back at 9.4. Kenny Wooten, 6.4. And they have a ton of great recruits coming in. I am buying this team. I am buying it. I'm buying Will Richardson as a lone freshman, the combo guard out of Virginia, four-star recruit. If he can bang that three, which they didn't have last year, and make some shots, Dana Altman's a fantastic coach. He showed me a lot by beating Kansas in Kansas City, you know, without Boucher there. So you know what? I'm going to put him at number 11. I got two Pac-12 teams back-to-back. What am I doing? I think that you are fully embracing hashtag basketball narcolepsy. I think that's what you're doing. You just You're just giving yourself a reason to stay up late on the East Coast, Mike Randall. Uh, here's my here's my take on Oregon really quickly. They're gonna have like an NBA sized front line, like playing a lot of minutes a lot of big together. teams here, Gus. This year, right? With all the teams we talked about, yeah. a lot of big front lines this year, right? Uh huh. Like you're gonna have Bobo, Wooten, and like White play together. Like that's huge. That's the gigantic NBA ish front line. Uh, Bobo's pretty skilled. It's not like they're all stiffs. And 
I, I have a secret love affair with Peyton Pritchard. I think I love him returning. I think he's going to do great things in the Pac-12, and I think he's going to have a Monte Morris type year for the Ducks. That's how impactful I think he will be uh, this season for the Ducks in the Pac-12 and in March too. You know, I'd really love to see Oregon LSU. I think that'd be a great game. Two top five recruiting classes, big size inside, great coaches. I think that'd be phenomenal. Let's make that happen in the uh, Bobo versus Nazareth. I'm, I'm inside. Put, su- yeah, put that in the Sweet 16. I'd love to see that game. Top 10. Here we go. Kansas State. Barry Brown's back. Dean Wade is back. The experience. Great job by Bruce Weber. Lost to Loyola Chicago in the Elite Eight last year. Fantastic upsets along the way. They got Diara. Just super athletic. Xavier Steed, you already talked about him. This is a team that can beat Kansas. Am I picking them to beat Kansas? No, I am not. Okay? But wouldn't it be ironic that his self tries to go for the 15th straight Big 12 title, he gets knocked off the year after he looks most vulnerable? If it happens, Gus, which I don't think it will, but if it does, it's going to be the Kansas State Wildcats who were 25-12, and 10-8 and 8 in conference last year. How about this? I'll just provide a simple comparison for the Kansas State fans out there of a way that they could possibly dethrone Kansas. How about this? How about if Dean Wade outplays Lawson? Do you think Dean Wade is going to be better than Lawson this year in conference? I think he can cause a lot of problems. I, I, I think so. I think on the offensive end and on the defensive end, they strangely enough, they have somewhat similar skill sets they just might get the job accomplished in different, uh, in a variety of ways. But I think if that equation, which way, which way is the greater than or less than sign going in that equation? I think that might determine the Kansas versus Kansas State uh, matchup this year in conference. And depending on which way you know your variables variables lie, that might be the answer. Number nine, give me Bruce Pearl. Give me the Auburn Tigers. 26-8, nice. and 13-5 and five in conference. They lost Heron. They lost Davion Mitchell. They lost Deshaun Murray. Who didn't they lose? They didn't lose Bryce Brown. They didn't lose Jared Harper. Harper. They bring back Anthony McLemore. They bring back Austin Wiley at some point and Daniel Purifoy. I like this team. I like what Bruce Pearl's doing. The SEC's loaded. Last year they made the round of 32, and then they were knocked out there by Clemson. I think they go further this year, and I think they have a very, very solid team with a great tempo and a great style, and Pearl's got it going on. I like Bruce Pearl. Made some mistakes. I understand that. We all get second chances. He's making the most of his in Auburn. One thing I'll bring up with Auburn, how do they react to that game, the last game of their season last year? They should get pissed off. If they don't, it's a problem. All right. So if that's if that's like the thing that's going to light their fire during the offseason and really focus them in on the practice floor, I think that works because I don't think any of those players want to go out like that. I don't think they want to go out on a settle game where they're getting blown out by 30. So I think if the push comes to shove, Pearl can pull that up in with two minutes to go in a tight game and be like, look, we know how not to do it. Let's do it this way. Let's do it a different way. I think that could be a good rallying cry for this team, and I think that might be something they could use in March when they get into a tight game instead of getting blown out. Number eight, North Carolina. Last time Old Roy was 11-7 and in conference was 2015. They came back and they were runner-up in 2016, going 14-4 and in the ACC. 
26 and 11 last year, 11 and 7 in conference, was a team that everyone thought was going to get hot with Jill Berry and they ended mm-hmm. up getting smoked by Texas A&M. He's got Nazir Little and Kobe White coming in. I love UNC this year. I love them. Luke May, of course, Cameron Johnson. It shows you how good the top seven are that I have them number eight. I love this UNC team. I absolutely think they can make a Final Four. Huge fan of theirs. Love the freshman coming in. Roy doesn't bonk two years in a row. You know my thoughts on him at Mount Rushmore. He's Washington. He's not Teddy Roosevelt over the last 15 years. But I have to put him eight, Gus, because the teams in front of the top seven are loaded. If you have UNC at eight, like the top seven teams are absolutely jacked. Like that's how good this college basketball season is going to be. If you have UNC, and I'm like trying, like you know, I'm, I'm flipping through the notebook. I, I'm thinking about our our final four picks and our All America picks, and 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 you know, conference picks and so on and so on that we'll that we'll get to on on further podcasts. I like I feel like I'm talking myself into UNC into making the final four yeah, again. Could happen. Like I feel like I'm going down that. I'm feeling like I'm going down that avenue. Uh, big question for them: Can Kenny Williams and White? You mentioned Kobe White. Can both of those guys take care of the decision-making, ball handling, and fast-break initiation uh, responsibilities that Coach Williams will put on them? If those two guys can handle it in some respectable fashion, then I think I've just talked myself into them being a Final Four contender. Yeah. Number seven, Tennessee Volunteers. My only concern is it's Rick Barnes. 26-9, and 13-5 in conference. But with who they have coming back, and the reigning SEC Player of the Year in Grant Williams coming back, and Admiral Schofield as a senior coming back at 13.9, and Lamont Turner, the deadly three-point shooter, coming back averaging 10.940% from three-point range. They have everybody back, all the pieces. They ended up in the round of 32. They should have gone a lot farther, had the problem, of course, with Loyola Chicago in the game. They probably should have won, and it could have cost them a Final Four appearance. Yeah. After being after being predicted 13th in the preseason, this year they're going to be the hunted, not the hunter. And I think that they're going to make a serious run. I could have them in the final four. They're number seven for me. If you're making a top 10 this this year and you don't have Tennessee inside your top 10, then you're doing something wrong because that's exactly where they belong. Uh, it's the complete uh, opposite or other end of the spectrum uh, where they were predicted for a, just one season ago. And as much as we might get on uh, Coach Barnes about his March success or winning that close game, I'll tell you what he does do. He gets his guys better in season. That's what he does. And, and that, showed last se- that showed last season without question. Uh, like you mentioned, they're not sneaking up on anybody. They have the player of the year, the coach of the year, the freshman of the year, and the sixth man of the year. And throw in Admiral Schofield, which I know is one of your favorites. And yeah, this team belongs inside the top 10. And I wouldn't be surprised if... They make some appearances in people's uh, final fours once we get to those final four picks uh, leading up to the season. Here we go. Gonzaga is going to be six. My only Ooh, okay. And listen, this top six, Gus, is as close as it possibly can be. We're going to separate by hairs on your chinny chin chin. So they are not far behind the number one team in the country. They are not. I'm not sold on Tilly. I told you about that. I am sold right. on Rory Hashimura. I am absolutely sold on Zach Norvell Jr., 100%. Perkins, let's see how he does. The big key is Crandall. If Crandall comes over and dominates, watch out for this team. Mark Few, Hall of Famer, legendary coach, 32-5, and 17-1 in conference. They're going to win the conference again. Love them. 
Depends on the draw. They could absolutely win a national title. No problem with that. They got Brandon Clark coming in, who Roy Hashimura is already busting. He's like, he's not the most athletic guy on the team. I am. Right, right. Yeah. He's yeah, got a little so. more hop than me. Okay. So they already got that going on. You know, he's going to have a great schedule. I love Gonzaga. I do. I just put him six right now because I'm unsure of the backcourt, but they are not behind the number one team by a lot in my book. No way. Mm, interesting. So we're a little, we're a little divided on this. I ha- obviously had them as my number one. Uh, last week's podcast. I think an underrated guy here, if we're just going to go a little bit off the radar, uh, Joel Yai, who is going to get some of those backcourt minutes if uh, Crandall isn't eligible absolutely immediately, but it seems like he will be. And that would be nice if he got some experience and got some exposure. So if there is foul trouble or if one of those guys runs into an injury, they do have another ball handle handler to rely on and Yai might be that guy. But I'm with you. If Crandall can come in and be a difference maker, not necessarily light up the scoreboard and, and you know go and come in and average 17, but if he can be a difference maker in game-changing situations, late shot clock, late game situations, then I think that is the thing that might sway the Gonzaga uh, Gonzaga up from six closer to one. And like you said, it's so close with these teams. All You can argue – you literally can argue any of these seven teams – to be number one in the country. I, I, I'm totally with you on that. People think I hate Duke. I don't. I have him at number five. It, last, last year, everything went as wrong as it possibly could. It was in disarray, and they still were a Grayson Allen rolled shot away from making the Final Four. So it's very tough with the type of talent he has coming in. And you know Coach K is going to learn. He's going to figure out how to mesh these guys together. It's very tough for me to not put them in the top five with one, two, and three from the recruiting class. They open the year against Kentucky. They also have Indiana. And then they get into they get Texas Tech. And they get to the heart of the schedule. And the schedule is going to be very tough. And they end, of course, at North Carolina, which will be fantastic. I can't put them lower than five. Zion Williamson is uh, – Stefan Marbury said he's, he's better than LeBron James. I mean, we got to settle down with that. But I, I think he's going to find a way to put everything together. Not a lot of leadership on this team. But maybe he's just going to realize that he should move forward with the freshman and stop trying to play around, unless you're a big Marcus Bolden believer. Just my thought. You give Coach K top recruits, especially coming off of what was sort of a disappointing, disjointed season, if you will, I think he'll find a way to be in the top five. Here's the question. I think you you figure out where you are on Duke with this question. Number one, does Coach K revert back to his USA basketball stylings and just say, look, I'm going to run some of those sets that I had with LeBron and, and like Pete Carmelo and and that squad. Wow. wow. And can I in- integrate some of those things that I did with those guys and have these guys buy into that? Or are, are, are you on the side of they don't have enough ball handling and they don't have enough shooting? I think depending on where you are with those two, I don't know, th- th- those two um, uh, theories – then that tells you where you are with Duke. If you think that Coach K can drum up and uh, kind of recreate that magic that he had with USA Basketball and run some of those sets with this high-level talent that he has with Reddish and Zion and and Barrett, then that makes sense. But if you feel like they might be lacking in a modern game that relies so heavily on the three and ball handling that that might be the part that limits them, I get that part too, and that's where I'm at with them. So I have them a little bit lower than you. If you think... That winning the ACC three times in the last five years is impressive, regular season. And you think winning the conference tournament championship of the ACC, maybe the best conference in the country, a lot of people would say. I'd take out the maybe. 
Okay, twice in the last five years. And this same team is returning their backcourt and returning the majority of their scoring from a team that entered the NCAA tournament last year as the number one overall team, 31-3, and 17-1. Then you have to put Virginia Cavaliers in your top five, and I am putting them number four. I'm buying, I'm buying the Tony Bennett Redemption Tour. I am allotting for the fact that they had a tough loss, which again is not much worse than the Michigan State losses or, or the Buck, you know, the Kansas losses years ago and the Duke loss as well. It's not. But I am going to take a little bit off and I won't put them number one. I won't even put them number two or number three. But the Tony Bennett tour, the Tony Bennett redemption tour is coming, Gus. And right now, if you put a gun in my head, their non-conference schedule, they got Middle Tennessee State. They got South Carolina. They don't have a lot of tough games. You know why? He wants to make sure he has a good record. He wants to make sure he gets back. You put a gun in my head, they're making the final four this year. Yes, I believe that. So I have them number four. When I've tried to figure out who I'm going to put into my final four, the conversation or the notes that I take in the notebook, the first line is always UVA. So I'm right with you on the Tony Bennett redemption tour. And I think that they're going to end up in Minnesota by hook or by crook. I think the one thing that to pay attention to, and this is the number that I, I think is worth viewing and keeping track of is the entire season is the tempo number. Can they just get slightly more up tempo, not go from the three hundreds to the one hundreds, but maybe go from like three fifty to like three Oh three. How about that? As far as tempo numbers go and give his talented players that he has returning a few more offensive opportunities and trust them to freelance a bit more uh, on the pick and roll Instead of, I don't know, staging every possession and, and, and juicing the shot clock. So maybe put some trust in the guys that he has returning. I bet Tony Bennett makes that tweak. And I think that tempo number is the number to pay attention to. John Calipari this year not only has the great recruits, he also has the veterans. P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, Quade Green, and of course, the huge transfer of Reed Travis. It is impossible for me to say, after last year, 26-11, and 10-8, and 8, won the SEC Tournament Championship, made the Sweet 16 on a team that was god-awful from three-point range. I can't see them coming back with Reed Travis inside and this star group and Calipari licking his chops. Kentucky's number three for me. Listen, the equation is unbelievably unique. Not only is it unique for Coach Cal, but I also think it's unique for any team in the country. Not every team has talent coming in that he does, besides Duke, Duke aside, and, and perhaps Oregon. Not every team has, and I, don't know, I don't know, NBA draft talent potentially returning. Guess what? He does. Not every team has a first-team all-conference player from a Power 5 conference coming back and playing at his school, and he does with Reed Travis. So this equation that we've talked about a number of different times on the podcast is not only unique to Cal, but I think it's unique to college basketball. I think it'd be very hard to find something similar to this. We talked about the talented freshman coming in. We talked about a couple, a couple of the returners. And I think the key part of the equation is those returners. They can be coaches on the practice floor. They can take some of the ownership in timeouts and close games. They've been through the wars. They've, they know like what the SEC battle is going to be like in the grind. And maybe that offensive efficiency number and some of those shots from three will actually sink, making Kentucky 
a num a legit number three team in the country. Number two, you know who number one's going to be. Bill Self has really impressed me, Gus, with what wow. he's done the last few years. I'm going to put Kansas number two. Okay. He has the most balanced team and most depth that he's had in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Their roster coming back, they have Vic. They have Azabuki, the big man inside, seven feet. Just got to work on the free throws. Okay, babe? And then he's got the transfers in Lawson. He's got Charlie Moore, who I think will start and should start as the point guard. Devin Dotson, Quentin Grimes. We can go on and on. This team is for real. And you can't tell me after last year, I buried him over and over again, and they still stuck it to me. Jayhawks, number two, Billy Self. So wouldn't it be crazy if the Jayhawks made back-to-back Final Fours after people questioning Coach Self and his performance, whether it be in the round of 16 or the round of 32 or getting to another Final Four? Wouldn't that be ironic? And this equation that we talked about with Kentucky is very similar with Kansas. It's odd. It's not your traditional pathway to success and especially Jayhawk success. Gone are the trusted guards of Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, and in come the question marks of a transfer and two ultra-talented freshmen. Does Self give the keys to the car to the transfer and the talented freshmen and let them do their thing, and does Diedrich Lawson blow up and become player of the year in his first year in the Big 12? And my number one team in the country. Groove is in the heart! After... Watching what they did last year and rooting for them. And when Lindsey Drew went down doubting them and having them buried against the Cincinnati Bearcats, I'm done. Cody Martin will man the point. Drew will eventually come back. They have transfers coming in. They have the five-star recruit coming in in Jordan Brown. The Nevada Wolfpack, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin, Jordan Caroline, senior, 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 positionless basketball, mojo, muscleman, 18 assistant coaches. This is my number one team in the country. I don't give a damn what conference they're in. I couldn't care less. The Nevada Wolfpack, they have that je ne sais quoi. They have that winner mentality. They can shoot it. They can get shots off whenever they want. They play smart basketball. They don't turn the ball over. The Nevada Wolfpack, Mike Randall's number one team in the country. Now that is a top 25. Damn right. It's a list, people. If you came to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast to have a little surprise along the way on your list, I think that you just got it in the biggest fashion that you could I think there might even be a Hendrix Hayes now over Reno. That would make perfect sense right now. Mike Randall, I don't know if anybody else has had the guts to put Nevada number one, even with all the returning parts. We've mentioned on a number of different occasions that uh, returning players help win, guards help win. You need the required big. Guess what? This team kind of checks all the boxes. There's not anything that you're going to throw at this roster or this coaching staff We're going to be like, hmm, I'm not sure if they have that. They kind of have it all covered, whether it be bench, uh, bench depth, whether it be uh, whether it be bigs in the middle to get easy touches and disrupt on the defensive end, whether it be a difference making player. You can put Caleb into that situation or Jordan Caroline into that situation. Both of those guys are going to be all first uh, 
all first team conference type players and maybe even all America type players. I applaud and am backing your Nevada Wolfpack number one preseason ranking. Well done, Mike Randall. That's it, folks. There you go. My top 25. Gus, thank you for your patience. We're ready to roll here. We're going to keep coming at you. A lot of great stuff coming up on the podcast. Please, if you want more, if you want to see my ugly face on a video, if you want to see Gus breaking it down and hear him breaking it down, and you want that extra podcast, one a week, you got it. Patreon.com. Become a patron. Six bucks a month. Support creators being creative, folks. That's what we're doing here. Support us. You'll get a t-shirt. You'll get access to us. You're on the board of directors of the show, and you'll get an extra podcast. We're ready. Thriller, zombie video. Here comes college basketball. No one's got more stuff than Screen to Screener. Cheers, Salancha, Grazie, Lazia, Arigato. So happy the season is so 